Hello, I'm CJ McKinney, and this is a special EU Settled Status edition of the Free Movement podcast. Free Movement is a website publishing updates, commentary, training, and advice on UK immigration law, founded and edited by Colin Yeo. Visit us at www.freemovement.org.uk. We're focusing today on the system for European citizens in the UK to stay here after Brexit. Now, if you've gotten as far as listening to a podcast all about settled status, we're assuming that you know basically what this is all about, so we're not going to go into too much detail about the fundamentals of what settled status is or how to apply to it. But basically, everyone from an EU country has to apply online through the government website or they will eventually lose their legal right to live in the UK after this country leaves the European Union. There are very few exceptions to this. And it's a big deal, affecting millions of people. So this podcast is going to focus on questions that people have raised with us about the settled status process. We'll start with evidence of UK residents, then turn to applications for children, and end on some miscellaneous questions that readers have submitted. Turning to the first topic, one of the most common issues we're seeing with the EU settlement scheme so far has to do with the automated residence checks using government records. This is a big selling point about the scheme from the government's point of view because it means that people may not have to prove that they live here if there are already tax or benefit records for them. But what we are seeing a lot is people who don't show up in these government records and have to come up with their own evidence of residence in the UK. So we'll talk about that issue first, manually putting in your own evidence of residence. To find out more, I went to Chris Ben of Surface Solicitors, which works with the European Commission to advise EU citizens about the settlement scheme. Chris, just to be clear for people, being asked to provide more evidence of residence doesn't mean you've been rejected for settled status, right? No, absolutely. Um, What has happened at that point would be that the Home Office has carried out the initial automated checks Um, of the application, which means checking the applicant's national insurance number if it's been provided. And of course, it's not obligatory to provide your national insurance number. But if you do, then the Home Office will run an automated check against HMRC and Department of Work and Pension records to see if they can find any uh, evidence of the the person being resident in the UK. Um, And I think what is really clear about these checks and what, what we've seen in experience is that um, they are not especially sophisticated and what, how much information they're checking uh, it does not always show people who feel that they might um, have a record here. They don't always appear on the system. And that's partly because, uh, as I say, the checks are quite limited and they're, they're also time limited to only seven years. So um, if someone has a previous record of tax and then is retired, it may not be that the automatic check shows up too much about them. Um, so don't worry if that's the case because, um, like I say, uh, it's not that you're suddenly not resident in the UK, it's just that the Home Office is then going to ask you for additional material to say and residence evidence to show that, that you're here. And what that means is documents and correspondence uh, addressed to you, uh, usually your home address, which would show them that you've been living here uh, even though the automatic checks haven't come back with any kind of hit. Excellent. So when you say um, documents, what, what's an example? What kind of documents are, would they ask you for? They're, they're, I mean, there's, there's a list of, of documents that the Home Office has. Uh, we'll come back to, I think, in, in a little bit. Um, but what, as I say, what they mean is, is evidence of, of usually of correspondence uh, and that 
means things like um, council tax bills if you if you're on the if you're paying council tax, um, other kind of letters to you that might be addressed um, from government departments, um, bank statements, GPs letters, NHS letters. Uh, if you're a, if you're a student, then it might involve something to do with your university, um, confirming that you've been studying. So there is there is a, a broad spectrum of evidence, and it's um, and and it's not that it has to be any one type of evidence, um, so long as it, it gets to the to the point where you can show that you have been been living in the UK. Okay, and you mentioned the list. Where do you find the list? The, probably the easiest way to find the list uh, would be to go to Google and type in EU Settlement Scheme Applicant Information. If you, if you do that Google search, the top hit is a, uh, a gov.uk website, uh, and then if you look into that, it has lots of applicant information, but it has a specific link to residence evidence, and if you go into that link, you can see the type of thing that the Home Office is asking for. If you want to uh, do another type of search, then you can look up the EU settlement scheme. EU settlement scheme. Well done. Um, caseworker guidance document, and at the end of this, it's a it's a considerable document, and I wouldn't recommend reading all of it. But uh, if at the end of it, there's an annex A, which has uh, has the list of evidence that the Home Office would like you to submit to them. So those are the two ways of, of getting to that information. Cool. So it's on the Home Office website. We'll, we'll stick a link to it um, maybe in um, the article where this podcast is hosted. Um, I've taken a look at the list, Chris. It says there is preferred evidence and then there is alternative evidence. So two different types. So what's the difference between the two? Yeah, um, I mean, I think the first thing is that preferred evidence doesn't mean it's somehow better in the sense that it's worth more, has more value to it. Uh, what it means is the distinction that's being made is the Home Office prefers certain documents because they think it shows a longer period of residence rather than lots of small pieces of, of evidence that, that show maybe a month here or a month there. So the idea is um, that something like a preferred piece of evidence would be, uh, as I said, a council tax bill, and that, as far as the Home Office is concerned, the length of that council tax bill, which is obviously usually 12 months, that would show someone living here for the 12 months in the year that it's been, it's been issued in. Something that would show a shorter period of time, which is what the alternative evidence is, is something like a monthly bank statement. Um, because, as I say, the Home Office thinks, OK, well, that shows you're, ever, you're resident in the UK for this month. But it means that if you wanted to build a year's worth of residents using monthly bank statements, you'd have to submit 12 of them. And so obviously it becomes a bit more of a, uh, an extensive exercise. So that's why it's alternative evidence. But uh, just to reiterate the point, it doesn't matter how you build your residence. You can do it through one piece of, of long residence evidence or lots of small pieces. It, it, it's entirely up to the applicant. Okay, so it's alternative in the sense that it's a bit more of a faff to assemble enough of it, not that it's sort of frowned upon in some way. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just the the wording of it's a bit a bit strange. But no, all, all the evidence on the list uh, in in that annex and and on the government website is acceptable. They have a list of things that they say are unacceptable. Mm. So you can see there's there's a, a few things at the bottom which the Home Office doesn't want to see. So you know you know to steer clear of those. But otherwise, everything on the list is acceptable. Fantastic.
I am told that when you get to the point in the online application where they ask you for this evidence, having um, not been found in the automated checks, that there's a, a limit on the number of documents you can upload. Um, is that right, first of all? Yeah, that, that right. is right. What, um, what you're allowed to upload is 10 individual files, uh, and each of those files has to be limited to 6 megabytes in size. Um, so there is a limit, um, and it means that when you're thinking about what evidence you want to upload, um, that's why it is better to use those preferable pieces if you have them, because, like I say, one council tax bill would show a year's worth of residence, and so you only need five files, uh, individual council tax bills, to get you up to settled status. Uh, whereas if you're if you go back to the, the monthly bank statement analogy, you would have to produce five years' worth of bank statements and you might not have the, the capacity to upload all of those onto the Home Office website. Um, but it, one, one file does not have to be one document. One file can be a file of documents. So if you have the ability to build up uh, sort of, I mean, PDFs uh, can be built. So you can create files with more than just one page of evidence in it and so in, in a lot of examples that this, the amount of files and the amount of space you have should be enough to get you there to get all your evidence uploaded in one go. So as in if you have 12 monthly bank statements you could merge them into one PDF and that would be one file for the purposes of this website? Yeah exactly okay. like I say if you go over six megabytes it just won't let you upload it um, and then you, you have to try and reduce the size, but you, you can build up files of, of multiple pieces of evidence. Okay, so there's, there's a workaround for this. There's no need to um, panic if you're, uh, <laughs> you're struggling with the upload, basically, uh, is what we're getting at. Um, I was going to ask you, are there like specific documents that you recommend in particular? But you, you've kind of answered that already, maybe, by saying the ones that cover a longer period are best. Yeah, I think so. Uh, exactly. Just just from a practical point of view, because you don't want to spend all of your Saturday afternoon scanning in multiple pieces of evidence. So if you do have those those pieces that show the longer residence um, as as listed on the Home Office website uh, and in the guidance, then it does it does make your life a bit easier. And that's obviously what we want is people to make this application nice and straightforward. Absolutely. Are there uh, any documents that are on the list of acceptable evidence that we talked about but in practice the Home Office thinks are a bit iffy or they come back to you asking questions or anything like that? Um, I, I've not heard anything um, there's nothing that um, feedback or any, any sort of um, forum that I've seen where people have had some kind of knockback because of the um, a type of evidence so I, I think it would also kind of go against the spirit of this scheme, if the if the Home Office produces this list of evidence and you give it to them, to then turn around and somehow say that they're not satisfied with it, so it, it, we don't want to see that, and, I, and I'm not aware of it happening. Excellent, uh, reassuring. Uh, any other top tips before we move on on, on putting in this extra evidence? Um, I think I mean just back to the the size of the documents uh, that you can upload. Um, perhaps if you do have access to a scanner. Uh, it's easier or you can create smaller files using that than rather than taking pictures with your phone which is an option but those, those files tend to come out quite big uh, and so it will limit the amount that you can upload. Um, the other thing I'd say is that obviously you, you, you're aiming to show those five years of, 
um, of residence in the UK if you if you're applying for settled status that is and so you won't be criticised for putting in more evidence than is necessary um, by the Home Office. If you're not sure, you've got two, three different types of pieces of evidence, put them all in. Um, you're allowed to do so uh, and, and no one's going to say that you've taken up too much time by adding in more documents than is necessary. Um, and also I think people shouldn't worry if, if, they, if they didn't get all their evidence uploaded for some reason, if it is too big, then you will get, it's not just a one chance thing, you will be contacted, the Home Office do come back to you and they ask you for, if there is a gap still after you've made your uploads, they will come back and ask for more evidence and then you get another chance to submit documents. So don't think that it's just one chance and then the decision will come. You do get a, a second chance to, to provide more information and more residence evidence if it's necessary. And, and when you say they come back to you, you you'll get an email from an individual civil servant yeah absolutely you, you get a choice when you make your online application whether you want to be contacted by email or whether you want to be contacted by phone um, I would recommend people choose the email option because then you have something in writing and you have a record of the home office contacting you uh, and as I say it will come back with an email saying can you please provide x y and z being in this case additional residence evidence for and they may specify for the period of time that they want to see um, so, like I say, probably get it in an email so that you, you've got it in writing what they're asking you for. That's really useful. And just one final question, picking up on something you mentioned about, you said you can put in more evidence than is necessary. But if you've lived here for 16 years, you don't have to evidence all 16 years, right? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, EJ. Um, what, I spoke, what I meant by that um, was within the, um, within the five-year period, that you want to rely on. And for most people, that will be the most recent five years, but it doesn't have to be the case. Um, but if you are looking at a five-year period and you've got multiple pieces of evidence for those five years, put that in. But, but by no means do you have to justify or evidence your entire length of stay in the UK because for some people that's going to be 30, 40, 50 years. So that's not what I mean uh, by, by go over the top. I just mean for the five years that you're, you're using as your qualifying period, use, use as much evidence as you want to to show those five years. Fantastic. I, I hadn't understood you to say that, but we have had people ask us that question, which is why I wanted to, um, to go into it. Um, fantastic. So that is evidence of residence. Um, another issue that we have received uh, questions about is to do with children and settled status. People wondering, do I have to apply for my children and how do I do that? Um, so Chris, let's start at the beginning with this one. Do children need settled status as well as adults? Uh, I'm going to give you a very equivocal answer of maybe. Um, so <laughs> a lawyer's it, answer. <laughs> so basically, the answer will be if uh, if it's an you. I'm going to say I say EU. We mean of course EEA and Swiss uh, citizens as well involved in that. But an EU child or it's a non-EU child who doesn't also hold British citizenship, then they're going to have to apply under the EU settlement scheme. Okay. Uh, so they, Unless they're Irish. Unless they're Irish. So <laughs> British or Irish children are fine, yeah. um, but any other nationality, um, if their parents are EU citizens, they will have it, to exactly. apply. Yeah, and, and they don't automatically get it in some way? So if, if your parent gets settled status, that doesn't sort of automatically transmit? 
Um, no, unfortunately not. So the, the scheme always looks at people in an individual uh, way, and that doesn't matter if they're adults or children. So um, you won't get status just because your parents get status. And so, again, every child who is not British or Irish needs to make their own individual application. And of course, we don't mean they need to make it themselves. They might have their parents helping them, but um, they do need to have status at the end of this process. Individual application in their name, uh, if not made by them. Exactly. Okay, and and we talk about being uh, Irish or a, a special case, but but uh, the child being British means they don't have to go through this. How do you know if your child is British? Is just, if your child is born here, does that automatically make them British? Um, maybe. <laughs> That's all, another, my lawyer's word again. So it all comes down to um, what the parent's status was at the time that the child was born. Um, so some children are born British, some children are born in the UK, but they're not British. Um, and it's about whether or not essentially the parent was considered to be settled or hold permanent residence at the time when the child was born. Um, and by, by settled or permanent residence, I mean a legal status of having settlement under the UK immigration rules or in a European permanent residence, um, sometimes evidenced by a European permanent residence document. Um, so I think what, uh, what I tend to stress to people uh, and when they ask me that question is if you do have a child who's born in the UK and they were born after you had a reasonable length of residence here, usually over five years, then it might be worth investigating whether or not that, ch that child uh, is, has been born British. Because if that's the case, if they were born British, then what you need to do is just make an application to the passport office to get them a British passport, and you don't need to make any immigration applications or anything like that. Fantastic. So children who are not born British, on the other hand, they, they do need to apply. And, and you mentioned, the, the you know, if you've got a six-year-old child, you don't have to park them in front of the computer and, and make them do it themselves. Right? You, you as the parent can do it for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that's, that is correct. So even though it is an individual application from the child, it's clear that some people are going to have to make that application for their child. Um, but, but similarly, if you're, if you're a sort of older child, teenage um, child, and, and by child we mean a child up to 21, of course, uh, because that's what the, the, the scheme says is the definition of a child. Um, if it's an older child, a 20-year-old child can, can happily make their own uh, application and may want to. Perfect. So you've got a choice in that sense. Um, it says on the Home Office website about the settled status scheme that um, parents can link the child's application to their own application using the parent's application number and that way the child gets the same status as the parents uh, when the Home Office has worked through the applications. How does that work exactly, this linking? Yeah, I mean, again, it, go, it goes back to this idea that everyone is making an individual application. Um, so when you're, if you're the parent, when you go through your application, you're not going to be able to add in your child's name or anything like that. So you have to make your individual application. But then if you start an application for your child, then you're able to give the reference number that your application has in your child's application, and it, and it means that the, the Home Office system will know that you're essentially family members um, and when they make the decisions, they'll take both both persons' applications into account, and, and that's helpful for your child. 
um, because it, it will link their status to your status. Okay, so the in terms of the sequencing, the parents should apply first, then create an application for the child, and it, the linking is done through that second application. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, there's, the, yeah, you can either do the you can do the parents application, and and in this sequence, we we would advise the parent to go first because that creates their reference number. That's given in the child's application, and then. Um, the child is then linked to the parent. If the parent has already been granted their status um, and then they're coming back at a later time to do the application for the child, they may be able to give their, their actual status because you'll have a different reference number for your status, but you can still give that uh, in the application. And so again, it's, it's, it's a case of the system knowing that there is a parent there who's been either applying at the same time or been already been granted under the scheme. Okay, and so then the if you're doing this linking, the only evidence you'll need to put in with the child's application is basically the birth cert that shows that the parent they've linked to is actually their parent. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, the, every applicant has to produce a, uh, an ID document, a valid ID document, so passport, national uh, national ID card, um, and then or biometric residence permit if you're non non EU applicant. Um, but once you once they've done that, then yeah, it's it's a case of the birth certificate shows that there is that parent-child relationship. Perfect. And what about if you, for whatever reason, choose that second option? So you don't do the linking and you apply for the child sort of in their own right. In that case, you need evidence of residence in the UK for the child. Yeah, in that. Um, example, essentially the child is being treated the same as an adult applicant in that they are, they obviously are, are, are applying under the scheme and they need to show that they've been resident in the UK and obviously ideally again for more than five years to get that settled status, otherwise less than five years they'll get given the pre-settled status, but they have to prove that residence in, in that scenario if they're not linking themselves to the parent. And I've kind of been visualising this throughout as the child being, say, the French child of a French mother or the Spanish uh, daughter of a Spanish father. But you kind of scenarios, right, where the parent is a new citizen, but the child might have a different nationality. And, and is there any different? So, well, first of all, can the child still get status in that circumstance? Yeah, of course. So uh, a non a non-EU child is still the family member of an EU citizen in, in that scenario and so the, the settlement scheme provides that they should also be given pre-settled or settled status but the child does have to be linked to the parent and, and by that we, well, we mean sponsored by the parent so they need to show that their parent is also someone who is either applying under the scheme or has got status under the scheme and that way the non-EU child can apply but they, they wouldn't be allowed to apply and just show their own residence because um, they're non-EU so they you, you generally speaking always need sponsorship as a non-EU applicant. Chris Ben from Surface Solicitors. Now the reason we've done this podcast with Chris and published various other free materials on settled status is that most people will be able to apply for it themselves no problem but if you do want to just hand it all over to a lawyer or have complex circumstances that you're worried about, Surface Solicitors do offer an advice service that we host on Free Movement. Go to www.freemovement.org.uk and click on Legal Advice in the menu bar. 
To round off this podcast, let's answer some reader queries. These come from both lawyers and members of the public and have been submitted via email, on Twitter, and under our YouTube video on Settled Status. First question is from Sarah. She asks, can an advisor use the same email address and mobile phone number for multiple applications on behalf of multiple different clients? Yes. Uh, So I've done this myself in road testing the system. You need to enter a mobile number and email address to create a settled status application, but you can use the same details multiple times. This is important for immigration lawyers helping many different people with their applications, but also maybe for parents who need to create separate applications for young children, uh, as we've just been discussing with Chris. The next question is about putting in national insurance numbers for the automated residence checks. Joanna asks... As NINOs, national insurance numbers, are issued just before a person's 16th birthday, does it mean that parents of all under 16-year-olds living in the UK will have to provide additional evidence? Uh, Yes, if the child applies by themselves is the answer, but not if they apply after their parent and are able to link it to the parent's application using the parent's application number. We talked about that with Chris. And if the child does that, you'll just need to provide the birth cert not evidence of residence for the child. So lack of a national insurance number hopefully won't lead to too much extra admin for under 16s. The next question comes from Peter. He asks, what happens when you answer yes to having a permanent residence card? Do you then need to provide the card's details, such as the number, or do you actually need to go back to the app to scan or upload the permanent residence card? Uh, The answer, you just need to put in the number. You don't need to scan or input the card via the app or upload a copy of it towards the end. Uh, The Home Office will uh, presumably check the number against their own record and come back to you if there's any kind of a problem. The next question is also from Peter, but a different Peter. Uh, Different Peter asks, what can I prove with my decision letter? So successfully uh, applied, you get a decision letter. Uh, Peter goes on, how can I, for example, prove for my prospective employer my settled status? Um, I don't suppose employers would accept a printed A4 piece of paper as proof of settled status. Uh, No, they won't, Peter. Uh, And in fact, your decision letter will actually say on it, this letter is not proof of your status in the UK. Uh, It's not worth the paper it's printed on in that respect. Uh, What you get with settled status is a digital status that you can check yourself and show to employers online by logging into a Home Office website, which will spit out your details on the screen. And that is basically your immigration status in future. All online, no physical document uh, is ever issued. The next question, next and final question, comes from Malwinka, uh, again to do with what happens after you've got your settled status. She asks, if the application is linked to a document like a passport or ID card, what happens when that document expires? Well, Again, this will be in your decision letter, but if your passport ID document expires after you've successfully got your settled or pre-settled status, which could be many years down the line, you'll need to inform the Home Office. Your digital immigration status that I just mentioned is linked to that particular document that you originally applied with. So for those who don't become British citizens after getting settled status, there is some admin ahead uh, in the months and years to come whenever your passport or ID card does expire. Um, if, and this might be more of a niche scenario, but if the document expires while you're still waiting for a decision, uh, which shouldn't take too long and hopefully won't arise, but I would contact the EU Settlement Scheme helpline 
they call it the resolution center. You can do so by phone, email, or online, and they should be able to sort you out if, if the document expires as soon as you've applied for a settled status. That's all from us on settled status. We hope this was helpful, and if you are applying for settled status after listening, best of luck. For more free movement immigration law podcasts, we're on iTunes and Stitcher, or you can sign up for our newsletter on the free movement website. Goodbye.